0: How are you doing anyway, sir?
1: I'm I'm rocking, thank you. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty pretty feeling pretty fly, you know. Ready to talk ball. I'll turn my camera on specifically so you can see me. Um,
1: yeah.
0: And there we go. Look at that. I've got um I've I'm wearing a birthday present that is a tad early, but it's because it's cool and I wanted to wear it. Um
1: Very
0: cool, I must say. It's a Lando Norris t shirt. So, I've got my first piece of Formula One merchandise. (laughs) Oh, yes.
1: That's, That's very dorky, and we find that cool here. So, very cool.
0: Yeah. You know, can you believe that it's almost two years that, well, since the first episode of Dropkick Me Jesus came out?
1: It's <laughs> that. It's that what's on your mind. The first episode of Drop Kick Me Jesus.
0: Oh, not not what's on my mind, but just can you believe that we're almost there? Two years on. I mean, there's. I
1: can't believe there's an episode of Drop Kick Me Jesus.
0: It started out I can't as a bonus. It yeah, I can't believe that it carried on as long as it did. Anyway, we have a whole bunch of NFL games to wrap up. Ed, take it away.
1: Hello, 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 and welcome to Stiff Upper Lip Podcast, the NFL podcast by Brits. We are in partnership with Gridiron Extra, and we are returning for our third season. So yeah, on we begin with me,
2: Ed. Me, Emma. I'm Sam. I'm Max Saito.
0: And I'm Tom. Bloody lovely. Definitely oh. isn't like an audio recording that I keep playing at the beginning of these recordings, is it? You do this. I like it. We do it fresh. Every single episode for your ears.
1: Mm-hmm. Straight from our keyboards and mouths and whatnot. To
0: <laughs> oh, so how we how, too? Yeah. Christ. Um, it, n- oh, the whole podcast keeps taking L's, huh? There's only like <laughs> one team every every week. This week, yeah. we got a second. Maybe maybe someday we'll all come away with the dub. This week.
1: The Giants are on this podcast, so I can't see it
0: personally. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. There just isn't any hope. Sorry, G-Man. Um, I missed Friday, so you guys wrapped up the Thursday night game incredibly efficiently. So shall we get on to what happened on Sunday? For now, it's just going to be me and uh, Ed, although uh, later on we will... Potentially getting Max in to talk about them Packers that happened on Monday night, but before we get there, Ed, how do you feel that Week Two of the NFL season went as a whole?
1: Um, I thought it was I thought it was a week for people to double down on the narratives they've created. Uh, yeah. Like the... that's... That's what it got to me. It was like reinforcing the perhaps the woolly narratives from season one. They got a little bit more force behind them today.
0: Yeah, I think I'd agree with that, especially in the sense of um, it felt like if you were going to stick to a narrative, you basically didn't get any fuel to change that narrative in any way, shape or form. Um, even, even if it is something as bizarre as the Bills are going to regress and then they pull up 35 points, it still wasn't enough fuel or ammunition to make you change your mind um
1: it was it, i will say this though for this week and this is the thing that i probably enjoyed about the week most is that it was the return of the marquee running back
0: i agree um it felt like spent maybe not in the in the early window games but in as soon as it hit sort of the afternoon you were you were hit by some like big big hit of running back games um and we will come on all of those. But uh, I think we start out in order of our predictions thing. In fact, actually, just before we get f- uh, properly on. Oh, no, 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 I'll save it. I'll save it for later. Let's start in order of our predictions spreadsheet and go Patriots at Jets because there's a whole bunch of crap in these open windows and Patriots Jets is right off the
1: bat. Oh dear! I mean, Jameis Wilson had the start to, <laughs> had the start of his new career at home, and it didn't go to plan. Or was it? Wait, was it a Gillette? It was um, in the Meadowlands, wasn't it?
0: No, it was at the Meadowlands. The game finished twenty five to six. It oh, it was not good for Zach Wilson, who recovered his day by the end of it. But the, the stat line after his first five passes being. 2 completions, 3 interceptions and 34 yards isn't really the sort of promising bit I mean Belichick likes to beat up on basically every uh, Jets quarterback that he's ever faced and he has some kind of mortal disliking for the New York Jets as a franchise and will beat them into the ground any opportunity that he can but we sort of expected it coming, nobody got this one wrong, The, the Patriots beating the Jets and yes oh boy not a the fun of a one.
1: run of the day in this game the damien harris run mm. where he, he was touched by approximately 18 jets players on his way into the end zone
0: i i put that it was like it was his best lynch impression however i feel like in that Marshawn lynch beast quake run um the saints were actually like competent tacklers uh the J- the jets were bouncing off of damian harris like there was no tomorrow oh it, it wasn't a good one for the jets linebacker's coaches that's for sure
1: no i mean i don't i don't think anyone in in new york was particularly happy with the game it was kind of made a mockery of our preseason where i was like oh the J- the jets interior run defense is pretty solid and then they allow that mm mm-hmm. mhm but yep. I guess you could say I guess you could say the Patriots are showing signs of promise. I mean, Mac Jones looks like a flawed but very capable and talented player.
0: Yeah, I almost get the impression with Mac Jones that like he's a very good uh yardage churner. He's not he's not really like lit up the box score in terms of like actually tacking on points for his team, but like just very consistent, twenty two for 30, 186 yards, it's it's unremarkable, but at the same time, like the Patriots, don't really need to be that remarkable right now. The division's a bit weird in the AFC East. Their defense is strong. Their running backs are plentiful and at least reasonable. Damian Harris is good. They don't really need Mac Jones to be anything else this first year. So there's a lot to build on for for Jones, and I think the promise is shown.
1: Yeah, it's like safe passes into the hands of safe receivers, isn't it? Which I guess is like, that's the way to move the chains.
0: Yeah, and it definitely... Uh, you could definitely see the game plan with how the Patriots went at it in free agency with getting Johnnie Smith and Hunter Henry, specifically. Because if you're going to want a safety valve, you're going to want two at least semi-decent pass-catching tight ends. And Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry are two of the best that were available on the market. So... Why not go yeah, after them? And they they've done a good job of giving Matt Jones what he needs, but you can't really take very much else from this one because it's the Jets.
1: No, it was not a feast on the eyes. <laughs> as as rare as games at the Meadowlands ever are, mm-hmm. this one was particularly unpleasant for the for the spectator. So I think the the faster we move on, the better.
0: And. Well, we're just heading right into another game that was pretty unpleasing on the eyes. Broncos-Jags. Oh boy. TAA Field isn't exactly uh, the most pleasant game to watch football at, or the most pleasant stadium to watch a game of football at this year because even though there is Trevor Lawrence in there, the rest of the Jags are pretty stinky.
1: Yeah, it's difficult to find positives for the Jags, which is not a... Not a compliment and indeed not we thought not what we thought we'd be saying about the jags because obviously they're flawed and obviously they're rebuilding but we didn't think they'd have as little spirit as they do Mm -hmm. yeah remind me of the score in this game Uh, it it was
0: so it was 23 to 13 to the broncos who've had a great start to the year by the way two and oh we'll come under those in a minute but trevor lawrence had well below what you'd expect out of the rookie 14 for 33, 118 yards, one uh, one TD, two uh, two interceptions. James Robinson has not hit the ground running, um, and I think Urban Meyer has basically murdered what was a very promising UDFA like hot hitter. Because what was the what was the official line that you gave earlier? It was like 16 attempts, 72 total yards.
1: Yeah zero touchdowns across two games I mean it shows a it shows an, a near abandonment of the run
2: I yeah mean,
1: which was getting catches out the backfield and it's like well, fine but that's not mm-hmm. I, I get it if you're trailing but you, you need to establish something on the offense that works and part of the problem is that Lawrence doesn't really trust anyone to catch the ball the playbook is very vanilla so at that point you run the ball and they just don't want to. It's 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 wild.
0: Yeah, the I think that the playbook thing is something that um, a lot of the complaints about Urban Meyer were basically how do you adapt to the NFL roster and the NFL offense and having to actually scheme for a defense and Urban Meyer's just gone ah well it worked in college to have fourteen plays let's just do that because it's a very different <laughs> ball game. Like you watch NCAA games and you're like. Oh, okay. So they've run like the same three plays, but because they did it with a slightly different option and, and 10 out of the 11 defenders on every team are basically garbage. And then there's like one star. You can get away with it. But in the NFL, when at least everyone is decent, you've got to be able to draw up some kind of misdirection, some kind of intrigue, some kind of trick Um, Jags very vanilla, very boring, very down the middle of the road. And like you say, they aren't running the ball effectively either, so oh, Urban Myers had a rough start. But to not be so down on this game, Denver showed up in a way that, like last week, they showed up against the Giants, and like, oh well, it's, it's the Giants. And I know that again, they showed up again here against the Jags, and oh well, it's the Jags, but Two and zero. Starting the season, Teddy Bridgewater over three hundred yards, two TDs, very consistent. Cortland Sutton, who throughout the week was sort of rumored to be questionable, like he looked like he was limping in one of the drills that got leaked on Twitter. Turns out you can't even trust those sort of videos from in training camp or in like practice sessions because Cortland Sutton popped off nine attempt, uh, well nine receptions, hundred and fifty nine yards. What the fuck happened to Denver? It's almost like you give them a quarterback and they actually look like a decent team.
1: It's not even like you give them a quarterback. It's that you let the black guy play. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it, I mean, in all seriousness, it is, it is a testament to the fact that they got their decision right at QB. Teddy was, Teddy was the correct choice. I think we can all see that and he's just managing the offense very very well and we we shouldn't also discount the defense i mean patrick sitan had his first pro pick it was a beautiful leaping pick plenty to be excited about for denver and they could be real movers and shakers if they can sustain this progress like don't don't look at the um don't look at the afc west as being a, like a two horse race
0: yeah i think before I start putting them any higher than like third in the division or I mean even fourth like the Raiders will come on to as well but um everyone in the AFC West seems to have a fair amount of intrigue or competency about them so before I'd want to put the Broncos in that bracket I'd want to see them maybe playing against um someone with just a little a little bit more in the way of um, a
1: little bit of spice. Yeah,
0: yeah, something that's going to actually rock them about a little bit because I'll be damned if I'm saying that the Giants have got anything to offer, um, <laughs> and the Jags are even worse. So, but yeah, great start to know, the year for them. Do
1: you know something that I love? You know the Jags' two first round picks.
0: Uh, <laughs> what? As in Lawrence and Etienne? Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, you know that their numbers are one and sixteen.
0: Oh my god, I love that. That's fucking brilliant. That is brilliant. Oh, Jacksonville. Let's not stop at one. Let's not be happy with one. Joy oh. to the world. Anyway, let's move we'll have, on. Cause...
1: To ask Max when he comes back, what level of Tom Sula's uh, <laughs> where is that already?
0: Well, he's he's significantly worse than Sirianni, and I feel like we had him down as like around the same level, but more for like... Uh, yeah, a, uh, a controversy, but Urban Meyer just might get fired by like week five just from incompetency. <laughs> Doesn't even need the racism. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on to another wet, wet flannel of a game. The Bills at Dolphins where Tua Bailoa came out early doors and the Dolphins didn't look forward ever since. Shut out by the Buffalo Bills and drummed up with a well frankly embarrassing score line
1: i would call this game an autumn fart because by the end of the first quarter it was it was finished yeah it was over like yeah. matt barkley sorry trubisky came in and played significant time like that's all you need to know about this game the Are dolphins you, wait the wait wait wait
0: wait 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 did he?
1: Which one was it? One of them one of the backups came in and had significant time. Let me just
0: I've just checked the stats. I'm gonna cut this bit out. I've just checked the stats. He came in for two kneel downs and that was it.
1: Oh that's significant.
0: <laughs> oh god. Yeah, fuck it, we'll keep it in. Fuck you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes. Um yeah, significant snaps, two kneel downs. That's significant. Yeah. Um
0: that's at least twelve oh, yeah. XP based on Madden's like progression based system.
1: Yeah, the thing to worry about for the for the Dolphins is whether Torres, his long term health is going to become an issue. Like rib and hip injuries are dangerous injuries for a QB to sustain this young, mm-hmm. and it's it's a worry about whether his longevity can be sustained with the rigors of the NFL, especially with an extra game every season. So, he's certainly, he's certainly, I think he's out this week, I'm not sure if he's out next week, and I'm not sure if the Dolphins have much hope without him with Jacoby Brissett, because he didn't look comfortable behind with the keys either, so i the Dolphins were abject in every facet of this game.
0: Yeah, I don't think that even, like, I know that it's going to sound like, oh, but he only had, like, four attempts to throw, but, like, I didn't think that Tua looked comfortable even when he was back there and like healthy so even I think even if he doesn't get hurt you'd still sort of I feel a little bit more hesitant to say that the Dolphins are going to be a team that will be comfortable this year or at least like slightly anything to sort of write home about because I like the defense and I like the moves that they've made to bring in like Jalen Waddell to maybe make Tua feel more comfortable uh, Miles Gaskin is not great, but nobody's really played well as a lead running back for like anyone bar the stars. It they have bits to be excited about, but their quarterback situation just hasn't improved. Um, it's yeah, it's 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 muddy, it's murky, it's a swampy remit down in Florida. <laughs> gotta watch out for those alligators. That's all I gotta say.
1: Um, a word on the bills as well, just before we move on, and I think we we deserve to move on. Did you see that AJ Epinesa has dropped dropped down in weight quite significantly, and is he looks a he looks a changed man in year two? I
0: know I know that it was him that got the uh, the hit on tour, but I didn't I didn't see anything about sort of any weight changes or uh... he was
1: showing off an absolutely vicious inside spin move Um, (sighs) and uh, it's obviously it's too early to say but he could enter that tier of elite pass rushers this year. Analytic Wunderkind
0: Fantastic. Anyway let's move on because like you said this game was over by the end of the first quarter and oh boy I don't want to spend any longer than 15 minutes talking about it and the next game is Raiders at Steelers, which was, I mean, out of all of the early window games, the one that looked at, well, one of the only two that looked like it was at least slightly competitive and remotely interesting. Um, the Raiders and Steelers played out a, a sort of typical old school game where uh, there was a, there was an edge to it. Um, however, that edge was not shown by either team's offense until after at least a half of football. Um, the Raiders got out to a lead. Um, Ben Roethlisberger has very much struggled for his first two games and the Steelers O-line has struggled to keep him upright for all of that time. Um the only real highlight of the first half was, like, a Najee Harris, like, ridiculous stiff arm, which immediately went into my wank bank. Um, but... Oh, <laughs> never say that
1: again. Podcast <laughs> <laughs> can only get away with that one time.
0: What? <laughs> no, it's fine. We can get away with it here. Yes, um... You're not Joe
1: your Judge, alright? <laughs> Call
0: you passion. <laughs> yeah. Um... But yeah, it was just, there was a lot of midfield play for a lot of the first half, but the Raiders looked the more dangerous team um, out of the two. And uh, Derek Carr eventually in the second half really started turning it on. I think in the second half he had uh, over 250 yards on like a 382-yard day. It was... Once they found a rhythm, and once TJ Watt came out of the game, it was like men against boys from the Raiders' offense playing against the Steelers' D. Um, it's no
1: surprise those things are linked either. Yeah, <laughs> you find you find your rhythm when TJ Watt's not there.
0: Yeah, it's almost because. Uh, Just from like a Steelers like pass rush perspective it was like before that point TJ had another two sacks and a a stripped sack which resulted in a forced fumble which I I must admit I was surprised that the Raiders were given the ball back because it looked like Cam Hayward got to it but it would have given like reasonable field position but in result of the day like you got to perform better anyway. I'm not going to say that that was going to be a thing that won us the game, but TJ had like a very productive day, very productive, pressurizing Derek Carr basically every time. Uh The total rushing yards for the Raiders at one point, they had nine total, Peyton Barber and Kenyon Drake split in nine yards. It wasn't a good day for the Raiders offense. And then TJ Watt comes out and it's like, Oh, Derek Carr's able to, like, get a little bit more time back there. And, oh, he's able to target Darren Waller. And, oh, he's been able to blast Henry Ruggs for a 60-yard touchdown. That was a beaut. It was an absolute peach of a pass. And Henry Ruggs absolutely torched the Steelers' secondary in that one. And, yeah, it was... The Raiders executed very well and showed that last week against the Ravens meant very little, uh... As in, like, anyone sort of doubting whether or not they could recreate that against uh, the Steelers. I think, on reflection, like, I'm still not too worried. Like, it's it's week two, uh, just from a Steelers perspective. Like, the Raiders can absolutely take full credit for winning this one, and they should continue to build on it. And to be honest, I hope that they do build on it, because... They seem to drop off by week eight every year and I want this I want to see them carry on. Um but from like a Steelers perspective I, I'm not too worried about our defensive like struggles in this one. Devin Bush, Joe Hayden and TJ were all out of the game by the second quarter with groin issues. Bush and Hayden didn't even start. Um I felt showbert had a decent game, um but once that pressure could no longer get back there. Tyson Alawalu broken ankle is gonna be huge, but um, hopefully Stefan it can come back. Like he hasn't played any of the games thus far. I'm not I'm not overly worried about the defence and I hope if the offensive line can actually haul itself remotely together, then it won't be so bad. But the O line gotta improve. Maybe it will when Zach Banner's in and Chucks is out because four had a real poor game. Um Hopefully Zach Banner coming in at right tackle. Like Dan Moore should be the starter at left tackle. Dotson and Trey Turner both had pretty all right games in the run game. Kendrick Green has like one and four snaps where he looks all right. I we feel talk
2: to Trey Turner before we move on. Just... Yeah.
0: Oh, God yeah. So Trey Turner gets ejected in the third quarter, and that's where just absolutely everything goes horrendously wrong for the offense. Like it wasn't going great anyway, but on the Najee Harris touchdown pass, where Harris makes an absolutely gorgeous athletic play, um Trey Turner uh spat at oh which Raider's defender was it? Hang on, let me just it was solomon thomas i believe that he spat um he claims that he was spat at first i don't think that that's any reason whatsoever don't spit at anyone you piece of shit um and he was rightfully ejected what
1: i said seems fair yeah it feels like spitting is like a you you should know not to do that as an adult
0: you should know not to do it as an adult, and it makes it like twice as bad in this current sort of biological climate right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought about the sort of salivary implications of it all. Yeah,
0: you can't, you can't, be, you can't be doing that anyway. But like, especially not in a pandemic. So yeah, rightfully ejected. He'll probably miss like at least a game. If he's not suspended, I hope that he gets benched for a game. Like, I'd rather us have a weaker O-line and not be playing a piece of shit than let someone get away with a spitting offence. It's not on.
2: Um,
1: Just one more thing before we move on. He has taken a lot of heat on this podcast in the past, but we see you, Derek Carr. We see see you, fella.
0: Yeah, nice work. I'll give him him credit. Oh, there is just one more thing that I do want to say is... uh, I think Dallin, leave it, um, came out of the game with one of the nastiest, like, collision injuries that I've seen in a while. Um, Not like one of those where it's, like, obviously a broken ankle or something, but you know when you see, like, a, a helmet on other body part collision and you sort of... It makes you really, like, squirm into your chair. Yeah, um... The way that he hit Claypool on like what was ended up a nice pass breakup, um, it very much had shades of Ryan Shazier against the Bengals, which ended up paralyzing him. It was a relief that he got up after the lengthy time that he spent on the field because you don't want to see a guy get hurt and you don't want to see a guy get like majorly hurt. He may end up um, missing a few weeks with concussion, but it was. This is what I meant. Like this game was like an old school game in the sense that it was very sort of in your face, on uh, on the nose. A lot of hard hits. A lot of guys came out injured. Um, this one was not one that was nice to watch. So, get well soon, Dalin or Dalin. I should have probably learned his name or how to say it, but get well soon.
1: I'm sure he appreciates the sentiment.
0: Yeah, if he listens to it. Anyway,
1: players listen to this Tom. Come on, that's most of our listenership is the players themselves. Of
0: course, yeah, of course. Um, Right, let's move on. Unless you had any other points about Raiders Steelers, I feel like we've pretty much touched upon everything.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm good to go.
0: Solid. 49ers at Eagles was next. A. uh, (sighs) a
1: Just. News fast again, just another one. I think the biggest turning point for this and me, other than the fact that the 49ers won, and I cannot remember the score, Tom.
0: Hey, it was 17-11 to 11 for the 49ers, who go 2-0 on the air.
1: It never really looked close, because the Eagles were on three points until well into the fourth. The 49ers themselves couldn't get anything going on the ground. It just... It was one of those games that was mired. And I can't, I can't work out if it's mired, because it, there was... No quality in places, or whether it was just a lack of real, true star talent. I think that's what it might be. Is it just felt boring because there was no one who grabbed the game and elevated it, and they were the narrative of the game? Yeah. Do you, do you get what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I fully understand what you're saying. Like there was absolutely no big hitter to to really grab it by the scruff of the neck and say, like, look. We're gonna make the we're gonna we're gonna probably put ourselves out of reach here or whatever. Like, I, George Kittle didn't step up, and you'd think that he was the guy. To be honest, the Forty ers best like offensive weapon this year has been Debo Samuel, who again, ninety three yards today. He he had good. He's had two good games in a row. Debo Samuel is basically the only consistent Forty ers offensive weapon. Um, for basically anyone playing fantasy football out there, because we know what Kyle Shanahan's like with just like targeting random fucking no names, like uh who who was it? J-, th- one J-, one. J One Jennings was the guy who was on the receiving end of the only passing touchdown. Jimmy G rushed for one. You are not gonna have either of those guys in your fantasy team. Uh, just Kyle Shanahan's teams are an absolute nightmare when you're trying to play fantasy football but yeah I always have like the red zone rule which is if if a game only features on red zone like five times then I'm not even going to bother going back and watching the actual film of it because there is nothing to watch here there's nothing to see 49ers eagles I counted three times just a, a mess. I think it may have been on one time while I was going for a piss, and that might have been for the for the Eagles to get a touchdown. I think Kenneth Gainwell rushed for one or like rushed in an extra point. I don't care. It's just it's a shame, but
1: these games happen. It is what it is. It is um, what it I is. I will just one note of intrigue before we move on. Trey Lance got zero snaps in this game.
0: I, you know what, I actually. I think I'm alright with it, specifically from the perspective of, like, they're clearly paying Jimmy G to be the guy for this year, but to also teach Trey Lance what he's meant to do. Last week, it it felt a bit weird. It felt like they had no idea, like, who should be their starter. I know that Trey Lance played better than Jimmy G against the Lions, but giving him snaps against teams that don't generate as much pressure not having Trey Lance get any risk of being injured, especially on the link. Like, the link financial field is not a good field to be risking your rookie quarterback on. If he's going to be the guy of the future, you're going to want the guy that's already injury-prone going out there on that field. So, yeah. I think I'm all right with it, if I'm being honest. In the same way that I was all right with, like, Justin Fields not playing against the Rams specifically because you don't want to see him get like broken in half by Aaron Donald uh,
1: the logic is woolly but yeah I, I understand I I, for my money I don't actually think Garoppolo has been bad this year at all like, I don't think he was bad against the Lions I don't think he was bad here yeah But I just want to see Trey Lance because he's I like Trey Lance a lot I just want to see more Trey Lance
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I, I agree know. Anyway,
1: what have we what have we got next? We're still in the early window.
0: We've got the Houston Texans twenty-one, the Cleveland Browns thirty-one. Oh boy,
1: a game! I'll I'll get them, I'll get this out of the way before Tom gets his shots in. But it was a game that was far closer than it had any right to be. Which is my co-host is quite literally salivating at the prospect of this.
0: I'm not. I'm I'm feeling the gap in my face. That's that's uh, all that's happening
1: i see um for the listeners who aren't aware tom's recently had some dental work it <laughs> 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 like trying to stuff a whole fist in his mouth um, again talking points from this game the biggest one is that tyrod rolled up at the end of a run and is it a, is it a groin with tyrod
0: i think it's a hamstring i think that he has t- i think he's tweaked a hammy um Wait, is tweaked too much of a medical term?
1: I think you can get away with tweaked.
0: Okay, that's good. Just as long yeah, as I'm no doctor will sure. have I'm ever sure. said it. Yeah, um, quaz- the hammy. And, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it came at the end of like an, a 10 for 11 day, 125 yards and a touchdown, including one on the ground as well. Like, Tyrod Taylor looked like a competent starter for the second week in a row, and it's almost. It's almost nice to watch Tyrod Taylor in this team. Because he he's had a bit of a rough one for his entire yeah. NFL career. Like, he got benched needlessly in, in Buffalo for Nate Peterman for no reason. And then came back and took them to the playoffs. And then got cut. He ended up in Cleveland, obviously, when they drafted Baker Mayfield. Gets a concussion in, like, week three. Mayfield takes the job full-time. Goes to the LA Chargers. Fucking gets his lung punctured by a team doctor stabbing him in the chest. Justin Herbert comes in and never looks back, gets cut. And now here he is in Houston in like the most volatile situation that he could have possibly wound up in. Week Imagine we, if
1: Davis Mills is the next big thing and Tyrod gets cut again. I'm gonna
0: be I honestly, if they're prepared to if if Tyrod Taylor's been benched for Nate Peterman in his career, I think at this point anything is in question. Like they will patch up this fractured bridge that they have between them and Deshaun Watson just in time for Tyrod Taylor to come back off the uh, off the medical table, so
1: I I The Deshaun Watson stargas still rages. It's very it's becoming more and more clear all the time that he he's unlikely to ever play another snap in the NFL, it's...
0: At the very least for Houston, like, I'm not being funny, they should have traded him when they got the opportunity, because if they're clearly not going to play him...
1: I don't know, I, I, think, <laughs> I, think that, I think that the only place that they should have traded him to is like a county jail, like, let's be frank. True. Ah. Uh, don't know all the details but it's becoming clearer and clearer that this isn't going away.
0: Yeah. And so, ew, it's it's not fun and it's almost like it it is a cloud hanging over the Texans that they don't need cuz they are in full rebuild with like a real messy situation on who is going to be their head coach next year. Although right now I I genuinely maybe consider like If David Culley can keep this up with this roster, just keep him in there. Don't bother with, like, Josh McCown. Just have David Culley lead the team for a couple extra years. Like, it can't be that bad, surely. Stop trying to groom an ex-backup for a job that you already have a decent guy with. I mean, the players clearly like him. This is not an NFL roster.
1: He's clearly maximizing. Well, actually... It is an NFL roster. <laughs> it's entirely an NFL roster. It is entirely made of players who are good enough to be names that you recognise but not good enough to be. <laughs> sort like of Camus Grouchier-Hill.
0: Yeah, or Vernon Hargreaves. Uh, <laughs> I know that name. Yeah, I, I, I recognise the name Vernon Hargreaves. Um, yeah, but uh, real rough for Terod... Um, but Davis Mills came in and looked reasonably fine, like unspectacular, but it's what you'd sort of expect out of a, a second round, third round rookie, fourth,
1: yeah, fourth round it was taken rookie after the Vikings took Dylan Mond.
0: Yeah, um, but yeah, they just seem like a team that have a little bit of a of a sort of chip on their shoulder, and that's why they're they're really flying. Brandon Cooks has. Uh no right to be in this position might I add like I don't think that he was bad for any team that he's played for, and yet he's ended up on what should be thirty two out of thirty two but right now the he's making it work
1: i mean if in my money for my money, Brandon Cook's laughing all the way to the bank. Have you seen his contract?
0: I haven't, but I'm gonna assume that it's absolutely ridiculous.
1: It's apeshit for a team that's supposed to be rebuilding. <laughs> it's, it is an albatross around the neck of a rebuilding Texans team.
0: Here, let me see if I can find it. Um,
1: I think I think just the cap hit alone is pretty extraordinary. Just... Bearing in mind this, they traded for him rather than get a a decent receiver, like a I... decent rookie receiver. <laughs> <laughs> the listeners Tom is Tom is pulling a, a stern face.
0: so it's not that bad this year. it's 5.6 million this year um but there is 12.3 million in dead cap um, the only problem is is that next year he's on 12 million dollars with 15.5 as his cap hit and then there are there are two voidable years. But Jesus is, Christ!
1: With with respect, this is Brandon Cooks, not Justin Jefferson. Like he's playing well, but sustainably, I don't know. That's always been his issue. We should we should go across the um across the painted lines and talk about Cleveland as well.
0: Oh yeah, hundred percent. Um, I'm gonna. I'm going to do something that I don't think anyone was expecting me to do this uh this podcast. I'm going You're to compl- gonna Baker Mayfield, I'm going to maybe. praise Baker Mayfield for what was a stunning display of strength to dislocate his shoulder, pop it back in on the sidelines, making a tackle no less. It wasn't like he uh dislocated his shoulder on a sack. He was making a tackle uh dislocates his shoulder, gets it popped back in on the field and with a properly swazzed up shoulder goes on and has a pretty good day. That right there is 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 some balls um and he had a 19 for 21 day as well. with a touchdown he ran for a touchdown even after the injury. Fair play, yeah. fair bloody play.
1: Nick Chubb had a great run in this game. The Brown I think the big, the biggest news, other than the fact that they, I'm not going to say they escaped with a win because it never really looked in doubt, but it was closer than it needed to be. Mm-hmm. The big story for the Browns is that um, Jarvis Landry is going to be out for multiple weeks.
0: Yeah, he. The only thing for me is that um, when is. Odell Beckham Jr. gonna be back because I know that he missed this week.
1: I think he's week to week.
0: He's week to week. Okay. Um, once you get past OBJ and Jarvis Landry, you're left with, I mean, a guy that we have uh, a lot of a uh, well, a lot of respect for for being like a big play option in Donovan Peoples Jones. Is he good enough to be a wide receiver one? Probably not. Uh, Rashard Higgins they have a bunch of tight ends that could split out wide like I know that uh Harrison Bryant Austin Hooper and David Njoku all have been getting a lot of attention this year unless you're planning on doing like a three wide receiver uh, three tight end one wide receiver and and uh a running back as your sort of formation on every snap which they could make so happen mean- yeah they could easily make it happen with the running back that they have in uh, well the running backs that they have in rotation a deep threat guy and the safety valves of your tight ends like those three tight ends are not bad options like they could all easily be starters elsewhere I really like Harrison Bryant that's basically the only option that they have though right now just because of the injuries and I don't see much depth at their wide receiver line so yeah
1: which is because they are deep at every other position, right? Mm-hmm. Now. The this is a very, very deep Browns team.
0: Yeah, if this if if they had an injury to anyone on defense, they have at least two guys that I would comfortably name as as next man open. They wouldn't lose much production, mm-hmm. and that's on the strength of how good everyone else is around them. Um, but wide receiver is the one position for them where it's rough. It's 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 real rough out there.
1: But I, I think I think this concludes our debrief on the Texans uh, versus the Browns. Are we are we hitting the late window now? Are we hitting the exciting times or sadly,
0: we, like sadly there are three more games. Three more. There's three oh. more in the early. But 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 two of them we can get through quickly, and one of them is an exciting one that bled into the late window anyway. So we got. I'll start with the two shit ones and get us through. We're going to talk about Bears at Bengals where the Chicago Bears came away with a uh 20 to 17 victory. The peak Chicago Bears score re- li- uh, score line. Joe Burrow picked off three times in three straight passes. He went 199 attempts without throwing a pick and then gets picked off three times in a row, one of them for six. A Bears defensive performance against the Bengals offensive performance, and nothing else to be said.
1: Yeah, I, I'm slightly worried about Joe Burrow, and I, I mean this in a. Physic physically, I'm slightly worried about him because, or rather, I'm, I might go a bit medical here, but I'm worried that the hit he took last week against Minnesota. Seems to be affecting him mentally, and I because in the the quarter plus, the Bengals have scored not enough points, mm-hmm. and he's looked cautious and scared, and taken a lot of sacks and been baited into three picks. Like the one pick, especially, was right to him.
0: Mm-hmm. He looked; and, he was basically staring down Tyler Boyd. All the way, it was it was a good read from Roquan, but like with the way that Burrow played that, it it was way too easy for him as well.
1: And then he, he didn't look like the the difference between he and Mayfield this week was when Mayfield threw a pick, he he made the tackle himself even though he dislocated his shoulder. Burrow just got out of the way and let Roquan run it in for a pick six and that's not the mark of a player who feels confident with himself in me so I just that's the storyline to watch out for perhaps
0: yeah it, it it is the thing that um everyone was scared would happen when the Bengals drafted him and then subsequently when they took uh Jamar Chase over an offensive lineman in the draft that O-line is going to kill one of the most exciting rookies that the NFL's had At quarterback in a while because he is not able to stay upright and now he's in his own head and we saw it happen with Andrew Luck where he gets in his own head because of how many injuries he's had to take he has to adapt his style of play and in the end we don't get the full Andrew Luck experience we're not going to get the full Joe Burrow experience until Joe Burrow can get over that hurdle um, and I fear that the Bengals are about to leave it too late, in the same way the Colts did all those years ago, and finally build like a decent O line five years from now. And Joe Burrow is going to end up wanting to retire. Like this is the concern for me that Burrow is going to be behind a turnstile for his entire career and isn't going to be able to get healthy. It's it. It's really concerning. Like, I wouldn't say that the Bengals O line is particularly bad at run blocking. Just every bit of pass protection is just a nightmare for them. They've allowed
1: nine sacks in two games.
0: it, It doesn't get any easier. Like, the schedule for the Bengals has them running up against the Browns, Ravens, and Steelers still six times this year, along with basically everyone else that they have to go up against. It's, yeah. it's scary.
1: Might not end well for them. That that O-line certainly is the biggest question around Cincy because at skill positions, they look fairly good. Mm-hmm. That secondary is, we talked about it before, the secondary is deep. Like, this is a decent team, but they might be hamstrung by just how abject that O-line looks. Yeah. As for, as for the Bears, it was a commanded defensive performance. That's, that's my big takeaway i thought ed jackson had a good game i thought rogue one had a good game i thought all of these guys that the bears drafted the the sort of the ryan pace defenders had good games like kindle Vildor had a good game mm. like a lot of the a lot of the pace guys had a really good game yeah but it wasn't it wasn't a, it wasn't a game i'll look back on probably even by next week i'll have forgotten a lot of what
0: happened. Yeah, it it comes into basically like every Bears game from last year where they played well, but I'm not gonna remember it a week later. Which I'm excited for when Fields can start, man. I know that he came in halfway through this game and it, it changed some things, but when they can like properly let Fields like cork some loose against some teams I'm I'm going to be I'm going to be over the moon basically
1: Fields for me because I've I watched the preseason games with the Bears and I watched this game and he has I, my fear about him is that he has a tiny bit of Wensianism in him where he's his sense of pressure is off and he's either looking to scramble when he's got a clean pocket or not sensing pressure and blitzers when they're on him that's that's because he he can make all the throws and he's an athlete and he's making them runs and when he's scrambling he's doing well. My worry is just get that get that sense of where you are and where everyone is around you straight, and we've got a real mm-hmm. real, real good player in Justin Fields, but he just needs that tweak in his brain.
0: Yeah, which I think will come when it's the it's the stereotypical thing of like when a rookie makes their first attempts in any pro league in any sport ever like if you're coming up from the academy in football or you're just fresh out of the nba draft or you just got from the minors for your first game in the in the majors or you've just been drafted in the nfl you are gonna have the exact same experience of the game is gonna feel really fast for you and it's only when it starts to slow down and you start to get those instincts in naturally and i know that Justin Fields and Trey Lance have both said in the uh, in the preseason that the game's already starting to do that for them it's only a matter of time it's i feel like those guys have both got it and i feel like that's what mac jones has gotten best out of this out of all of the rookies is that the game is already slowed down for him he looks like he's making the right decisions because he in his own mind is making those progressive reads quicker than anyone else right now out of all the rookies. So it's a it's a promising it's a promising class for like all the rookie quarterbacks for sure. So yeah. Hopefully hopefully Fields can kick on. Hopefully all the rookies can kick on and hopefully we can get back out of here and head on down the road to the NFC South where the Panthers shocked the Saints. Ed,
1: they kicked the shit out of the Saints. It was great. It, it I loved it. <laughs> take <laughs> it off away. My analytics, for us, off my analytics, <laughs> I think this is a great game. I'm happy to be proven wrong about Sam Donald if he does this to the Chiefs. Sorry, the Saints every time they play each other. Um, but the big, the big story in this was CMC. Like watching this game, I was like, oh yeah. We- Oh yeah, I, I really missed CMC last year without even really noticing it. I was just like, this guy's kind of got this unique footprint. Even against Alvin Kamara, like he, he's kind of like this satellite back, isn't he? Like he's he's yeah. the he's the receiving back. But Christian McCaffrey can do it all between the tackles. He can run power. He can run zone. Receive the ball. Split out wide and run routes like a slot receiver. He has everything in his arsenal. Mm-hmm. Like I reckon, I reckon he'd do a job for you lined up a defensive end. Like it's just the player that he is, and I, um, I have a sneaky soft spot for the Panthers because of how much I love CMC. Mm. And I know, I know, people will point to this game and say, "Well, the Saints had eight coaches out, and it was clear that they were undercoached. It was, it was clear that they were underprepared and." To a degree, you you understand that, and there's a there's an asterisk over the win, but nobody from the Saints played well. Uh, James reopened the bakery through. Was it two picks in there? Uh,
0: yeah, just two, but they were bad picks. Both one of them them, th- one of them, he scrambles out to the left and just decides, without seeing anyone, to throw it to the only Saint covered by four Panthers. It was yeah, believe, it was a bad throw.
1: There were physically, when when the ball was received, there were four Panthers closer to it than one thing Which mm-hmm. is like, that's winging a prayer stuff. And that's... Sean Payton will be absolutely furious about that because he's never had that. <laughs> he's never had that. So I'd love to be a fly on the wall for that discussion. Mm-hmm. But it was um, comfortably my favourite game of the early window, I have to say. <laughs>
0: From from just a, a, another like pro-Panthers take, because I, I don't have the same vitriol towards the Saints, but I have a very similar soft spot for the Panthers. Um, and I'm delighted that at some point in the year we will be able to get another Panthers uh, representative in Connor Brosnan on the show, specifically to talk in depth about this Panthers team, and hopefully they can keep this little ball of momentum rolling all the way down to that week specifically so that we can actually get some uh, some nice points in there but so um
1: Burns, Jeremy Chin didn't th-
0: this Panthers team like this current mold of the Panthers team with the players that they have healthy the players that they acquired in the in the offseason the players that they got 2 years ago that didn't get to play with CMC the coaching staff the the GM the front office this is a panthers team that is like just so fun to me they they feel like a team that i would want to turn on and watch every week and i know that their two games this year have come against like a very sort of undercoached because of covid saints and uh, against the Jets team that are the Jets and will be bad for a while but it's nice for me personally because I like I I like Sam Darnold to see Sam Darnold have a couple good games, not give the ball over not make stupid mistakes play pretty consistently CMC back healthy, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson Every single receiver on the Panthers looks like a guy that I could happily easily root for, but the defense, that defensive unit for the Panthers, is just so sneaky brilliant. You got I
1: remember last year with the Giants where they were much much better than the sum of their parts. Yes, down the stretch. Yes, that's what we're talking about with this Panthers defense. Like obviously it has has Joseph Chin and it has Brian Burns. Like they're the two stars.
0: Yeah, but you they can't are. even you can't even like ignore what like Shaq Thompson, Dante Jackson, Justin Burris, Hassan Reddick. This is a this is a Panthers defence. JC Horn had a pick. It's a unit defence. It's not just like one or two guys, it's every single member of them have been fired up by Matt Rule. And um, I I yeah, peak. Uh, Carolina Panthers twenty six seven. Um, the only other thing that I want to just quickly, very quickly touch on, uh, because I know that we sort of mentioned like Alvin Kamara's name briefly. Uh, eight carries five yards. Tony Jones three carries seven yards. The two players. The only two players that had over 10 yards rushing were quarterbacks for the Saints. Jameis and Taysom Hill. And that's it. Um, it's not like their O-line is bad. I like the Saints O-line. That's just a bad game from the from the Saints rushing unit.
1: What would Max call this? Max would call this one a bury-the-ball game, wouldn't he? That's what, that's what yeah. he says. But yeah, just go again. I pray that they're this bad.
0: (laughs) Okay. Onward to the final early window game and therefore the final game where very little happened. But this one actually went all the way to the wire. We're talking Colts hosting the LA Rams. The Indianapolis Colts fall to 0-2 with a 27-24 loss. Rams 2-0. I don't know how much I can really say this is on the Colts or the Rams. Both teams seem to give it their all, but one team just had to be the better one.
1: Yeah, in a, in a late window full of drama and spectacle, it's going to go down as a very forgettable game. And my, my main takeaway from this game was wincing went, went around in the pocket, like drifting into pressure like it's fundamentally my the thing that frustrates me in quarterbacks most is not when they can't make the throws but when they just they just lazily drift away from the scripted protection for them because it's there like this is the Colts. Like more often than not there's a clean pocket if you want to stay in it and actually throw like it was a typically baffling pick when he threw that um, shuffle pass yeah <laughs> I loved it because of just the madness that there was no one even near but Wentzing around in the pocket and now he's got an ankle sorry he sprained both ankles
0: I'm going to I am going to slightly defend Carson Wentz here because you are naturally going to be more critical of him because of his last couple of years in Philly however I think that Carson Wentz had a a much better game than you're giving him credit for like the shovel pass was bad but if I'm being completely honest I know that the Colts have had sort of a very reputable line for the past couple of years but I didn't I didn't think that they held up all too well and I think that that might just be that the Rams are very competent at basically pulverizing pockets left right and center but They didn't hold up all too well. And I think that Wentz extended the plays better than he should have been able to. Um, And it did contribute to him being able to make some of the throws deep downfield that he wouldn't have done if he was just sort of trying to stay in the designated pocket. I think that this game would have been a lot more boring had Wentz been trying to stay in like personal protection and hadn't been sort of trying to extend plays. Um, Michael Pittman popped off for 123 yards. I feel like half of those yards came at the end of Wentz extending the plays around in the pocket and trying to make something happen on the fly.
1: Are we seeing the beginnings of a little breakout for Michael Pittman, do you think? Is he he filling the TY void?
0: Quite hopefully. I mean, what I will say is that they need him to step up into that TY void because... Wide receiver options for the Colts are at a sort of very minimum right now, but eh
1: they're not going to get much from Zach Pascal. You do you do need you do need one guy to separate. Yeah, and I mean Pittman after two games looks like he could be that guy, but the the best receiver on the field was. On the other team. I mean, Cooper Cup had another electric
0: game. 110%. And to be fair, like, everything to do with what I've just said about how I felt that, well, uh, Wentz had a better game than you made out for, Stafford outdid him. And I think that that's sort of the message of the day is that everything that the Colts did right, the Rams did better. And that's why they deserved to win on the grand scheme of things. And what was... A very exciting game for a window of games where nothing happened. Um,
1: there was just Stafford had a good game, Cup had a good game. There was just one other point of note in this game, and it was the um, the uh, the punt. The punt. Have you not seen this? How, did you not see the punt? I don't think I saw the punt. So the Rams are in punt formation in their under the shadow of their end zone the
0: pun i thought that we were talking about an actual pun nope carry no. on
1: and the snapper hits it straight into the up man immediate fumble did they recover it or did the colts recover it the colts recovered eight?
0: it for a touchdown
1: yeah that's right it was hilariously bad it was the, if, my... if john fossil was still on that staff that would never have happened in a million years.
0: My favourite thing about that whole botch snap punt fumble is the way that you can clearly see the up man stand a couple step. He takes like a couple steps to his left and just accidentally wanders immediately between long snapper and punter. And nobody felt the need to tell him. And as soon as the snap comes, it just... Cannons off of his right wrist and flies hilariously into the end zone, spinning aimlessly. It's brilliant. The my favorite piece of my favorite piece of clown ball of the season thus far. What a time to be alive!
1: <laughs> Speaking of times to be alive,
0: we have
2: been joined. We may
1: we we may have been joined. I can't hear if he's I can't hear if he's here yet or not, Max. I'm. A
2: time to be alive!
0: Hooray! Uh-y.
2: You've joined it's
0: us after getting all of the crap out of the way.
2: Oh, thank God!
0: We've separated yeah, job, the wheat. Yeah. Fr- we've separated the wheat from the chaff, and now you're here yeah. to talk about all that glorious gluten.
2: That fabricated job that I have really paid off. That story
0: <laughs> I made up. <laughs> all right, where better to start than with this? Pice now. Put down- Joseph, come on! It is gone. No, he That's missed no it. Good. Are you kidding me?
1: He missed it right. He missed it right.
0: <laughs> the Minnesota Vikings take an L after what was an absolutely brilliant game of football. If I, if I must say so myself.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was. What we would what we would call in this podcast a slobber knocker. It was end to end, the lead the lead changed ten times in this game. Kirk threw was it four touchdowns? Kyler had four as well, including one on the ground. It was a remarkably fun game. Sorry, Kirk threw three. Um, it was a very good performance from both teams, and it was so Minnesota it to come down to a missed field goal from 37 yards it made my soul sore (laughs) to the point where we're now, we're recording on Tuesday afternoon and I am just coming to terms with how upset I feel about this game
0: yeah, it it was just a glorious game of football and I feel like the missed field goal was the perfect way to end the game for like last second down to the wire drama from two teams that seemed like they were prepared to knock 10 bells out of each other offensively and weren't really that interested in playing some stellar defense Um, Nick Vigil is the one guy that I will say had an absolutely marvelous day from a defensive standpoint but this was two offenses trying to kick the shit out of each other Um, and
1: succeeding I mean the most fun thing or rather the thing I enjoyed about this game the most is the Vikings O-line in run blocking they were incredible today like the holes that they were able to open in the run game were you could drive a car through some of them so like I'm plenty to like but once again the Vikings have fallen foul to a missed field goal and I I appreciate Max so much for not chiming in up to now, but
2: you're you're welcome to. I did have that cruel laugh. Uh, my my thoughts were that both teams made really good defensive adjustments at the half. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I said, and I'm not a fan of the guy, but um, uh, during the first half, I thought Kirk Cousins came out absolutely fantastic. Um, but in the second half, he totally faltered. I mean, between half time and the final drive of the game I think he had less than 50 yards and, and a fumble as well so but equally like you say Nick Vigil and um, Daniel Hunter I think Kyler was sick of a damn sight of him by the end of the game but yeah I, I don't know both, both of these teams um, had a really strong case to win the game and it's very funny that it panned out how it did but if I'm the Vikings I'm a little bit concerned about the defence going forwards because that's two games in a row now where they've maybe flattered their opponents at times I mean we know the Cardinals are going to be good but yeah they looked totally clueless in the first half albeit yeah they did step up in the second and my only other thought from this game uh, was oh I can't remember what it was come back to me in a minute (laughs) so how good Kyler is and
1: how his shot for MVP is not
2: yeah, it's not range. an illusion, but I I, I, I yeah, I talked to you guys about this as well. I'm a bit concerned about his history in the league of playing through injuries that hamper his play. Um, oh, and there was the, the one thing that I thought we... or that Ed really nailed, was he was talking about Kyler Murray's throwing motion, and there was one massive throw that he had, I think it was towards the end of the first half, where I think it might have been. He was falling backwards, and I have no idea. I thought that the pass was going to go about four yards on the ground or go out of the back of the end zone, but mm-hmm. he somehow managed to fit it in there. So, yeah, he's playing great. Um, they're very reliant on the, on the improvisation and they don't have much of a run game. So, I don't know exactly how sustainable it is, um, but if they can keep it going for a full year, then, to me, he should be the hands-down MVP. What I'm going to just
0: quickly say before... Like, because there are some guys where it's hard to break it down statistically and fully capture it um, and I'm going to take a leaf out of Ed's book here and I'm just going to be wax lyrical about how much I bloody love watching Kyler Murray play football because some guys can make 400 yards flattering and then there's Kyler Murray who can make 400 yards seem like it's a surprisingly under the mark point. I felt I legitimately felt like he had passed for about 700 yards by half time. I was just I was sat in awe staring at Game Pass just like how the fuck has this guy who looks like the Bic mascot pulled off an unbelievable game of football And then I remember, for the first nine weeks of every season since he's come into the league, Kyler Murray has lit up my screen, and I must say, you did good, kid. You're doing good. (laughs) Um,
2: Ed, are we concerned about Dalvin Cook's um, resilience? Because he does seem to play through injuries a lot, and the injury that he picked up in this game... I mean, it was part of the offensive regression in the first half to the second half. There definitely was a significant drop-off, um, albeit part of that was that they were getting to, you know, getting, pl- sort of plugging the gaps in the defence. But he he does tend to miss a couple of games or play through injury. So, I don't know, something to watch. Something to watch.
0: You know, I just to quickly sort of touch upon this, because it... It relates back to something earlier. Um, I saw a tweet um, just after this game had finished uh, talking about, like, Dalvin Cook. And the tweet was, and I can't remember who it was that tweeted it, so I'm very sorry if I have just ripped this from you. The tweet was, Dalvin Cook and Deontay Johnson both look like they get murdered every game and still look good. Dalvin Cook, for this entire game, was holding his ankle... And for what is now the second week running, Deontay Johnson's had what could have been, like, with how he reacted, a season-ending injury. And both of them just carried on, and neither of them are going to miss next, uh, next week. Or Deontay if they Johnson mi-
2: didn't carry on, though.
0: Well, I mean, it was the last play of the game, to be fair.
2: <laughs> but
0: that's I what I mean, you, like... The, those two are the only ones that I can like accurately picture as guys that look like they're about to die, and then they'll be back like four plays later, and they're perfectly fine and still training I mean, big yard.
2: Had his shoulder put back in.
0: No, but like Baker Mayfield's only done that like once though. Is my I'm not saying that that's like a thing. I'm just saying that those are the two guys that were named in that tweet. I'm not saying that that's my opinion. I'm just saying. We already talked about how much I appreciated Baker Mayfield's show of strength. I'm just making the point that Dalvin Cook and Deontay Johnson are the two guys that look like they get murdered every play and still carry
1: on. Have you guys ever seen a running back that looks more forward-leaning than Dalvin when he's in the long run? Yeah, Daniel Jones. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly that <laughs> the centre of gravity is like two feet in front of him
0: <laughs> oh joy have right. mercy
1: do you want to play PA and then we'll move on
0: yeah fuck it I'll, I'll do it again I'm going to add as many PA quotes as I can because we've been sort of talking in our group chat about how much like if anyone's going to convey heartbreak it's Paul Allen who's been doing it for what I think maybe a twenty odd years at this point, and there he's been doing it. Robert. He's been doing it so bloody well. Hit us out, Paul. Snap, Brilliant. Anyway, let's move on to the next game, which. Out of all the late windows, sadly isn't quite as entertaining, it's the Buccaneers-Falcons where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers racked up 48 big ones on the Atlanta Falcons, one of which pretty hilarious clown ball if I'm being completely honest, but the rest was just Buccaneers offense and specifically Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski and Mike Evans making it eat, while the Falcons were absolutely powerless in the end.
2: I mean... It was a three-point game in the third quarter. Like it got away from the Falcons quite badly at the end there, in true Falcons style. But I don't know between that and the the Cowboys game, where obviously it came down to the last. Are we thinking the Bucks are a little bit more, a little bit more closer to the pack? They they certainly look like if a team can execute, that they'll they can be beaten. Yeah, well, they they looked
1: beatable all year last year. They just often weren't. Like I think that that's mm. probably the same this year. Um, I think that the 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 defense, the the defense, is the, well, especially the D line is what I love about this Bucks team. Still, I cannot. I'm going to wax lyrical about Viteri again. Got a pick in this game. Like, oh.
0: The,
1: I just love him, man. <laughs>
0: I'm still I'm still not sure whether or not Vita Veya gets the pick because I've seen confirmed reports that he did and then other ones confirming that it was Shaq Barrett. The stat line that I'm reading here is that it was Shaq Barrett that actually came down with the ball. I don't care who it is, Vita Veya influenced it, but yeah, just <laughs> carrying on. If you can clarify that for us, send it us on on Twitter. Was it Vita Vea or was it Shaq Barrett? Or do you not care and just want to praise Vita Veya like we all should?
1: It landed on Veya Island. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. Um, as, yeah, as for the Falcons... Their offense we... looked a lot better than it did, but that's not a high bar to clear. <laughs> Are no. we... Matt Ryan now is sort of looking a little bit... Uh... You know, you uh, know Matt those... Ryan is sort of looking past his prime now. Like He, he can't put the team on his back. Um, I, I hear this narrative all the time and I kind of hate it because I still love Matt Ryan. Like He can't make the same plays that he did during the Super Bowl run. He's not protected the same way he was during the Super Bowl run.
0: He's also not got a running back in the same way that he did during the Super Bowl run.
2: Yeah, he's also not got a wide receiver the same way he did during the Super Bowl run.
0: Basically, like, everything around Matt Ryan is considerably worse. Apart from maybe the coaching, and even then, like Dan Quinn was pretty good that year when they went on the Super Bowl run as well.
1: Yeah, I mean he had Kyle Shanahan during the Super Bowl run, so like
0: <laughs> the Super Bowl run is going to be the way that we define Matt Ryan for the rest of his career.
1: Which is so unfair because Matt Ryan, oh, he's one of the last true pocket passers. That's a bit of a problem,
2: isn't it?
0: <laughs> it's fine football yeah, goes it's... through stylistic changes every like five years and we come back full circle every time
1: yeah it's, it's archetypal isn't it or i just yeah i just don't I, i've yet to see any substantial evidence that matt ryan is actually past his best i certainly think the falcons aren't helping him with the talent they give him like, the the right side of that O-line, Caleb McGarry, oh, we spoke about it, Caleb McGarry and Christian, Chris Lindstrom, they were dire in this game. They were dreadful. And it's like, how how do you expect him to have a decent passing game when there are two
2: rushes in his face on every snap? The Bucks' lack of running game is a concern for me, though, because if they can't close out games, kind of similar to the Chiefs, which obviously we can talk about, um if they can't close out games and teams at the end of a game, a close game are just sort of sending people after Tom Brady, knowing that he's gonna have to throw it. Is that a concern, um, for you guys, like later in the season when they're playing against some premier opposition? Or do you think that Tom Brady is still gonna just be able to dissect? Like... That's the
1: that's the thing. I I I think the latter. I think it'd be a problem for thirty one other teams in the league if they didn't have a decent run game. But I think that Brady's Brady's short passing ability is essentially an extension of the run game anyway. That's that's kind of the way I look at it. Like it's probably as safe as running the ball when you when you consider it's Brady making these short throws. Yeah, he's, not, he's I mean, never under any pressure because he gets the ball out so quickly. And the
0: Buck's O line is fantastic as well. And the amount of options that he has at this current stage in the Bucks team, like any one of those guys could just be running a drag route underneath and be a short yardage option. Like to just refresh everyone's mind who the Buccaneers have. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Brown. Giovanni Bernard, Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, OJ Howard, Cameron Brait. All of those guys had touches in this game, um, in the receiving game. Any one of those guys could be just a safety valve on any play. It is a problem, but only if you don't have eight receiving options that you could also throw to. Yeah,
2: Antonio Brown had went from... Five receptions for one twenty-one to so one for seventeen in this game. So, uh, in terms of fantasy, <laughs> yeah. I think yep, you're gonna get screwed over every other week if you've got a box receiver. It's um, a pick your of poison offense. I mean, like Mike Evans was nowhere in the Cowboys game, but yeah, obviously he was the star early on. It's why um, I've been portraying
0: that Chris Godwin's your only safe bet, and maybe Rob Gronkowski at this point because he's absolutely flying off the handle.
1: If you count the Super Bowl, he's got six
2: touchdowns in three games. Insane. These teams, I did not learn anything about them in this game. <laughs> this no. is basically exactly what I thought would happen, except I thought the Bucks would probably throw them a bit more with their offense and not with the defense, but the scoreline is not a surprise to me at all.
1: In she... terms of our predictions league, I, I wish cast the first tie of the year and I didn't get it.
2: No. But I didn't.
1: Didn't even come
2: close, I'm afraid.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, right. Let's move on to Seahawks at Titans. And this is the game that I'm glad Max is back for as well, because I have a bone to pick with both of you. In our predictions episode on week, uh, well, on Friday, you guys, while I wasn't there, questioned my pick of the Tennessee Titans over the Seattle Seahawks forgetting that there is one x-factor on the Titans that the Seahawks have famously never defended well against. If you don't have a run defense and you're up against Derek Henry, you ain't coming out of here with an easy victory. And you both, in all of your analytical minds, questioned me and now who's laughing?
1: <laughs> What's this? If you shoot for the king, you better not miss, right? (laughs) What a second half Derek Henry had. Like, that was fucking ridiculous. What a player.
0: What's funny is um, in one of my fantasy leagues, we have like a group chat, and the person who had Derek Henry was like, Oh, I'm so sick of this useless cunt already. Sent a screenshot of Derrick Henry. I offered him a trade for Chase Edmonds because he's a uh, Cardinals fan and I was like, "Oh well, Chase Edmonds for Derrick Henry." He was like, "Don't tempt me. I'm going to bed." As soon as he went to bed, Derrick Henry just started churning an extra 10 yards a carry.
1: <laughs> oh, he was electric. He powered me to a fantasy win this week over Max, so I'm pretty jazzed to see him doing well. I kind
2: of. <laughs> plenty of horses in this race um yeah. we were, there should have been a walk off safety though which that's a shame yeah yeah uh, um, and I mean they took that Julio Jones touchdown off the board for no reason no reason at all um so the Titans won through some imposed adversity I would say Julio Jones looked an awful lot better in this game compared to the first game as Derrick Henry yeah um A.J. Brown was kind of a little more muted um, in this game. But if, yeah, Julio Jones had 128 yards. So if they get Julio and Derek going, obviously that's a lot. (laughs) That's going to help. I won't lie, that is going to help your team. And um, from the Seahawks perspective, they have at least one and maybe up to five of these games every year. Normally it's in division. Often against the Cardinals. Mm -hmm. But the Seahawks are just never... They're never out of it. And they're never safe. No matter what. They just... I don't know. The Seahawks, maybe more than any other team, have a penchant for just blowing games or coming back and... And, like, yeah... You know what I'm talking about. I just want to it's quickly apologise. In, in you're the making middle, of to a Vikings fan.
0: In the middle, no, the,
2: Vikings, the Vikings will blow any game. I said the Seahawks can also win any game. <laughs> there, twelve's out there. out there know exactly what I'm talking about. Go Hawks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> are you? Are you still? Are you still casting around for a new team? or Are you back now?
2: With no, no. Um, I never left, obviously. But um, yeah, I think. Uh, I think the Seahawks are the same team every single year. Um <laughs> Russell And Ty Lockett are one of the better QB receiver duos every year. They have a fine, okay, but not spectacular run game every year. The defense is a bunch of no-names since the end of the Legion of Boom. or well, not no-names necessarily, but a bunch of okay guys who are prone to having a bad game. And they'll win... Well, they can't even go ten and six or eleven and five this year, can they? So, we'll pencil them in for eleven and six or twelve and five, That's and they'll make the divisional round and probably losing in Green Bay or winning Green Bay. One of those two, but they'll definitely be playing Green Bay in the postseason like every year. <laughs> I um, I,
1: I'm not a, I'm not a massive college fan. How how interesting was it, Max? Because I assume you I assume you were a fan of this at the time. The Ole Miss offense
2: when it was DK and AJ. Um, I'm not really a big SEC watcher, if I'm honest, but I always thought that AJ was kind of better than DK uh, at college. Was my impression of it anyway. But um, yeah, Ole Miss. I don't even know who the quarterback was at the time, like just some dude so I can't really say they were ever massively on my radar like you would have thought that a team with two wide receivers like that would dominate but it's a position that's very much dependent on who's providing them the ball I suppose so Mm
1: -hmm.
2: yeah I mean they're both like built unbelievably (laughs) and they've both got great great hands great run off the catch so it was always going to be it was always going to be a recipe for success in the pros but yeah in college they escaped me i'll
0: be honest, if I'm honest. <laughs> i do just You're want right, to man. just ever so slightly uh just touch a little bit more on tyler lockett's start to the season because what is it now like 300 uh oh, two two hundred 278 yards and three touchdowns is on so far uh through two games what this a f- is Lockett, though. yeah that is exactly it's who it's he easy. is like he is unbelievably good at getting on the end of an unbelievably lovely deep ball with a perfect rainbow on it
1: yeah he doesn't doesn't need to be
0: much else yeah
1: you remember the years where you would um, move Tyler Lockett to a running back on Madden and he'd be 99 overall
0: that's uh, where I also found Pierre Gosson
1: Pierre Gosson
0: (laughs) most effective as well so
1: um I tell you what, guys. I am actually gonna to have to bounce now.
0: Oh, really? Okay.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry. We've we've rushed it a bit, but so I'm I'm gonna have to say an early goodbye. Thank you very much
2: to the pair of you. Thank you for tagging me in, Max. Well, I'm glad I I'm glad I was here. <laughs>
0: yeah, because I would have been running down three games on my own otherwise. Not <laughs> not effective. Anyway. Well,
1: <laughs> thank you so much. I'll um talk
0: to you guys later. Yeah, see you later Bye, dude. Man. Right. That seems like a good time for us to talk about Justin Herbert and the LA Chargers and more importantly, the winners of this game. 20 to 17, the Dallas Cowboys came away with one of the most lopsided, weird, sneaky victories that I've seen. Where they win it on a long field goal from Greg Zerline coming at the end of a real blown sack call on Justin Herbert.
2: Yeah, that was that was rough. Um, the the in the grass call was terrible. And they had a touchdown wiped out before that as well, so bit of a bit of pull to swallow, a bit chargers Um I don't really have much to say about this game. It wasn't really the all guns blazing score fest, we were hoping for, was it? Mm-hmm. So that's a bit of a shame. Um, but I think, yeah, both teams are quite even. So I'm not surprised it was a close game. Um, the Cowboys, yeah, Tony Pollard had a good game for the Cowboys.
0: Yeah, 109 uh, yards on 13 carries.
2: He looked way more explosive than Zeke. Um, in terms of the Charges. I don't know. It was kind of a weird game. Nothing really stood out that much to me. I mean, obviously, yeah, they had that terrible sack call, that, and they had the uh, touchdown wiped off. And on top of that, Justin Herbert had a pick in the end zone, one of two on the day, which was because Keenan Allen just fell down on his route. Yeah. So... And yeah, even it was not unfortunate for the Chargers. I mean, even, I don't know if you've got much to say on this, to be fair.
0: Yeah, I don't really have much else to... Like, it was one of those games where it was way better to watch, but it's hard to say that I've learned or gained anything out of it other than just pure entertainment or, like, a mild yeah. anger that the Chargers have been, like, mildly conned. But...
2: Greg the leg absolutely bailed out Mike McCarthy at the end of the game because he...
0: That that two-minute drill was just... unbelievably stupid.
2: But I was under the impression that he was aware of analytics now. <laughs> <And not really.
0: laughs> the moment that a coach actually mentions that they are aware of analytics is the moment that they stop making any reasonable semblance of, of good play calls. Like, for example, when the Eagles said that they were really aware of the analytics... And then Doug Peterson turned from Super Bowl winning head coach into an asshole.
2: Yeah, I'm looking at this at the stats in this game, and I was like, "Why can't I remember anything that happened?" <laughs> it's because nothing happened. I'm looking at it right. So the leading Cowboys receiver was CD Lamb, who had 81 yards, but and after a lot. Like Darwin with 37.
0: The the thing is, is like 81 yards for CD Lamb, and I have CD Lamb in my fantasy teams like a lot of them so I was glad that he ended up doing this but it was the one play just before the end of the half where they like drop it off to CD Lamb like not far off the line of scrimmage and the Chargers are playing like insane prevent defense all the way back to the goal line and CD Lamb almost takes it the entire way pitches it back and like I think it's who is it that's with him I think it might end up being like Cedric Wilson or something that is just short of the goal line. The Chargers almost give up a touchdown of like sixty one yards of prevent defense going wrong. But it inflated yeah. C D Lamb's stats, it's so just, I'll take it.
2: It's just a weird game, like both teams had like both teams had a combined four sacks. Uh, two for the Chargers. Oh, excuse me. Two for the Chargers and two for the Cowboys. And yeah. neither team you would have to say has a stellar secondary already that good a linebacking core, but yeah I, mean, I don't know I mean the thirty seven the... yards and Justin Herbert had 338 but yeah it was a close game and it, it didn't stand out to me as being like a like a lack of quality game it just bit of a dud really yeah but
0: more in the dud of like I didn't learn anything but I actually I did enjoy the game it's just I can't remember very much about it unfortunately this is my yeah, about point
2: yeah, That about some job for me. <laughs> Shall we move on?
0: <laughs> Let's move on to Sunday night football. Ravens at Chiefs. Of Baltimore coming away with a victory. Coming away from... What a game, from... What's a game this was?
2: Oh. i tell you what, like the, the Ravens, win or lose, are going to be pretty entertaining this season. And the Chiefs, I mean, the Chiefs have got 2018 Chiefs written all over them. Uh, yeah. And that was a very entertaining team. Like, those teams, that 2018 Chiefs team, had some of the most entertaining losses I've ever seen in my well, life. Well, there was the
0: Rams one, the, the Ravens... on one at Arrowhead. No, the, they they beat the Ravens, but, like, that was a big shootout. The Patriots game, where Brady yeah. amounted a mad amount of points as well. There yeah, were they, a lot of...
2: the Patriots twice, once in the regular season, once in the playoffs. And yeah. uh, there was, like, a loss to the Seahawks and loss to the Chargers that was if we can get that again, that would be great. But this game is brilliant. I thought... I mean, like, the first drive of the game, the Marcos, the pick six, the Tyron, Matthew... Um, it's a bad throw as well. Nothing, it wasn't It wasn't a well-advised throw. And it, <laughs> I mean, we. I think we know what the Marcos strengths are at this point. And although he's not as bad a passer as some people might think, he's not really... Like, <laughs> it does. It's not what he should be doing, mm-hmm. you know? Like, he's, you wouldn't say he's a great passer, but... People would have you think that, like, oh, he can't throw outside the numbers. He can, just not very well to the standard of most NFL quarterbacks.
0: I think that might also genuinely help the fact that, like, I know that Marquise Brown popped for 113 yards, but I don't really remember any of those being, like, great throws down the sideline, apart from, like, one. But I just, yeah, exactly. Like, Marquise Brown isn't a good wide receiver to me. That's my sort of main takeaway, and I don't think that Sammy Watkins is the guy that you want, apart from, like, maybe five games a year, but Mark Andrews is good. And, like, all of Lamar Jackson's options... you
2: You can't really, because of the way the Ravens play on offense, it's so different to every other team. You can't really compare their wide receivers, because they're not really doing the same job as other wide receivers as well like they're not going to get the same sort of service yeah but i just want to talk about the like the game because both of these teams i think we know roughly where they're going to be like even though the ravens won the Chiefs, you'd probably think are still the better team but like yeah for the ravens to finally get over the hump like for a harbour brother to beat (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <the body laughs> team, you know like the big bully in the playground is momentous occasion for the family yeah and although the ravens were missing quite a lot of like important players obviously they had that spate of knee injuries at the start of the season as well mm-hmm. for them to come away and still be still win this game it's it's huge for them and it's after they lost to the raiders in week one to get this win it's just like oh they must be absolutely bouncing in that in that locker room right
0: now you know when you uh well we've basically consistently pointed out that the Shanahan running back system will allow you to get like 80 yards so long as you've got pace um and that's it you don't need any vision they will just scheme you a hole and you can just run through it and you can keep doing that over and over the Ravens are in this position where they've got Tyson Williams and Latavius Murray and Devonta Freeman. And all of them put up very similar games. It's just that one of them had more carries. But one of the other one had like a touchdown on top of it. Like all three of those guys are going to be able to have good seasons. Specifically yeah. because the Ravens offense allows them. I mean... None of them are going to outrush Lamar Jackson when he gets off on a, on a tangent like this. Like he gets off and flies and it showed with 16 carries for 107 yards, two touchdowns, averaging 6.7 a carry. Like that's peak Ravens football right there. But the fact that Williams, Murray and, and Devonta Freeman combined for well over 120 yards themselves with a touchdown. Plus there was a passing touchdown as well. Like, that is that is Baltimore Ravens football at its finest and they executed the and game plan brilliantly here against the Chiefs.
2: It takes it takes two to tango and the Chiefs run defence is absolutely shocking. I thought the yeah. Packers might have the worst in the, in the league. The Chiefs might have the worst in the league. Like I don't know, I think like I think they're damn sick of seeing uh like Daniel Sorensen back there. Yeah. <laughs> I think like Anthony Hitchens is probably actually their best linebacker but like Ben Neiman is like who are these dudes? It's not it's not weird. I think one thing about this game is the Ravens held Tyree Hill to 14 yards on three catches. Yeah, Marlon Humphrey
0: did an absolutely stellar job but I mean I know that they're missing Marcus Peters who is like CB 1.5 in there but like Marlon Humphreys is able to pocket guys just as efficiently, and he he yeah. sure did here. Uh, Travis Kelsey had a great game. He um, had Byron...
2: 109 yards, but he, a lot of it came on that one play where the Ravens seemed to sort of forget to tackle a little bit. As much as Kelsey did his part, they they really should have brought him down. Yeah. He was running like prime Gronk. Like, you just can't bring him down unless you go right to the knee.
0: Well, the thing is then... with like Kelsey, that's I think the bit that puts him to me in like the best like, best tier tight ends of all time, um, is that he's not just like built like a tight end. He is quick. He is like, the yeah, Chiefs seem to, to gap, always yeah. have a quick, but like efficient tight end. Uh, obviously, Tony Gonzalez. I'm not saying that Travis Kelsey is Tony Gonzalez. Hell, I'm not even saying that Tony Gonzalez is like, as good as Travis Kelsey at this level. Like, Kelsey I feel like has done more with his career, and I think at this point might actually be better than some of the guys that we'd consider as, like, the all-time great. Um,
2: Yeah, he's definitely, like, the best tight end in the league right now. But what I would say is the Chiefs kind of... I mean, the Chiefs kind of... They had a... What? They were up 36-25, to mm -hmm. and Patrick Mahomes sort of just, like, one of the worst interceptions of the weekend, if not the worst. It might have been worse than the Carson Wentz shovel pass pick. Like he's getting dragged down and he throws it to the middle of the field. Like I know Kelsey's there, but there's two Ravens there as well. It's, yeah, it's not smart. It's not the kind of thing that we're used to seeing him do. He's normally the kind of guy who gets away with making decisions like that because. He either doesn't make the decision, or he's got the arm talent to get the ball there. So rare well, error, and it really cost them.
0: It's funny as well because um, obviously last week uh, Baker Mayfield did a very similar thing where he's getting That's sacked. It. He's trying to throw it out to the sideline, but he got to do a better job with it. And he he acknowledged the fact that that was on him. That came against the Chiefs, and now. Patrick Mahomes has just gone and done something that is arguably worse the fact that he throws it into the middle of the field in a very similar position it's I mean let's call it
2: what I mean winning by (coughs) winning by 11 as well like they don't need to make that they don't need to force it but let's call it what it is this game was about at the end especially this game was about Lamar Jackson because Mm -hmm. he was they just like they were just like ah fuck we need to win this game just give it to Lamar and let him run and I mean, you saw that on the last play of the game uh, or, like, the last meaningful play of the game on the fourth and one, yeah, which was similar to the... um, You know, obviously similar to, like, the Chad Henney play last year. It's, like, it's just having a big pair of onions and and doing what you do best because you know that Lamar Jackson is more likely to be able to pick up one yard than it is that you can stop Patrick Mahomes driving 60 yards down the field. Yeah. And... But to... To, to run with your quarterback on that play, <laughs> like, to try and pick through the defensive line, it just shows, like, there's, I don't think even, like, prime Vic, I don't think you would make that decision to try and run in that manner. So, it just shows you, like, the the Jackson's a different kind of running quarterback and, yeah, although, obviously, he's going to have his doubters and his limitations, like, and we'll see what happens in the playoffs this year if they're in the playoffs and, you know, obviously, it's not a great style if they're losing. We know all this, right? But yeah, but, mate, it was fun to watch at the end. Of-
0: yeah, it it was just a fundamentally great game of football, and it was the perfect thing for Sunday night. Um, the only thing because I'm I stare at the box score when we're doing these things just to pull back the curtain is uh Devin DuVernay doesn't show up on the box score at all apart from obviously in punt in? returns. Now, he comes uh, he was, down with uh, the he touchdown.
2: Was he was questionable at the so at the start of the week.
0: One of the Ravens touchdowns comes in a very Madden 22 style play where oh, oh is it Tyson Williams who makes a dash for the uh for the oh, end zone yeah. gets punched up out of his hands and it falls graciously into the hands of Devin Duvernay to scoop it over for an extra two. That
2: was their first touchdown of the game as well. I know.
0: That's when... You, right. When something like that happens, I feel like you've got to... Like, when the ball comes out and it lands perfectly in the hands of a wide receiver who's right there, I feel like that's a, that is a sign that things are going to go at least competently right for yeah. you.
2: So that's the kind of thing that you need. If you're going to give Mahomes and the Chiefs two extra possessions that's the kind of play that you need to go your way the rest of the the rest of the way right yeah so if that comes up again in the playoffs i'll be very glad
0: so yeah um
2: none of us picked the ravens as well so not absolutely
0: none of us so we've we've pulled an nfl analyst uh discussing like basically every game there's one result uh where every
2: i think that was the one where we were all wrong
0: yeah it's the only everyone one. Right. Um,
2: and talking of games where almost everyone was right, only Ed was wrong on this last one. Yes, because, because he was he was he was hoping he was hoping his little heart out. God bless him. But we do I'm have afraid some things say the same.
0: There is one thing about these predictions. Uh, just before we come on to this last game, that uh, has surprised me because I think that Ed's put aside a. Uh, a rule that he had for the first two years of this. So, uh, long time listeners of the podcast will be well aware of this, but Ed would never pick the Saints. It doesn't matter what or who they were playing or how well they were playing or whatever. Like, it could be like Drew Brees coming off of like a fucking five touchdown day the game before or whatever, going in and playing the Lions or whatever. He would never pick the Saints. Ed picked the Saints this week.
2: <laughs> and he it's was the so one week that, he... that
0: it bites him on the arse.
2: He was just so pleased that they beat up on the Packers last week. On the fantasy, uh, not the fantasy, on the predictions, yep. um, Emma is now 18 and 14. Ed is the only one with a losing record. He's 15 and 17 uh tom and sam are both tied at 19 and 13 and i'm in the lead with 20 and 12 so
0: You're currently currently on okay, uh, on pace for your alan lazard packers jersey uh, yeah i don't want
2: any more <laughs> i want a dominique daphne one. <laughs> Oh, of course what about greg jennings and put the team on your back <laughs> so, <laughs> so talking of the packers that's uh Talk about Monday Night Football. Um, to be honest, it's kind of a routine game. I mean, like, this is the kind of result that you really expect to occur. But I won't lie, I was a little nervous. So I was like, if the Packers lose the Lions, then it's it's sort of time to, you know, panic and start clawing at each other's eyes and Packers put her. So <laughs> it's a bit of a, a, a get-right game. Although they were losing at the half, 17-14, yep. and then... I read this, which is slightly concerning to me. Apparently, at halftime, Matt Lafleur goes up to the defensive coordinator Joe Barry, and he's like, "You need to either rush the quarterback or, like, commit to play, uh, commit to you know, hanging back because they're bringing four and they're not getting anywhere near him." They start bringing more pressure in the second half, and surprise, surprise, it's a little more effective. But I think it is a personnel issue with Zadarius Smith on IR. They've got Preston Smith and. Um, Rashan Gary now, who's mm-hmm. not really kicked on as much as you would have liked, although he has progressed. Um, he did force a fumble in this game. Um, they also got a pick from Devondre Campbell, who's in Green Bay now, which is kind of a weird fit. I will say
0: <laughs> just quickly about uh, about the Green Bay not being able to put any pressure on uh, Detroit until sort of in the second half is the the Lions' strength being their own line. I mean, no sacks on the day for the for the Packers. I think that. The Lions are going to be a tough team to actually get sacks on, um, just because of the strength of that O line. And oh. <laughs> Jared Goff will be able to at least check things down to Williams or Swift or Hawkinson. Yeah. Like they I mean, are going to give, be tough to get. If
2: you give him... We know that if you give Goff time, he can find guys. But for mm-hmm. me, once they start getting some pressure on him obviously it paid dividends they shut out the lines in the second half score three touchdowns of their own Gone to win 35 to 17 mm-hmm. and the story of the day was probably Aaron Jones finds the end zone four times um, Aaron Rodgers had a couple of really nice throws uh, two on the same drive the 50 yarder to Devontae Adams mm-hmm. which was kind of like the okay everyone exhale now throw because he's still got it in him and the tight window throw to Tonyan for the TD um, just just One of the premier tight window throws that you'll ever see in the NFL. It was a great throw, and Tanyan just sort of. I mean, yeah. Well, what did uh, what was Brett Favre saying on the broadcast? He was like, "The ball caught him. He basically had no choice but to catch it." I thought that that was
0: Peyton Manning that said that. I I don't
2: know. I wasn't really. It was just a bunch of guys. (laughs) Oh, but yeah, I think um, you got Peyton. Brett and Eli, three of the greatest quarterbacks to ever grace our game. Um, They were impressed, which says it all. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, and yeah, although the the Packers came out and they were just like determined to run the ball with Jones and Dylan, so that's what they need to get back to. Running the ball and play actions the fundamentals of modern passing games really, so yeah, I think I haven't got much else to say on that, they just need to improve week on week, and I'm not looking forward to next week because their defensive personnel just isn't really that good, and they're coming up against the 49ers, who although they've had a lot of injuries, historically owned, like, these two eras of teams, like, the Niners have always been able to rack up big points on on the Packers. So, best-case scenario, maybe the Packers offense hangs around and we get a real shootout, but we can talk about that later in the week, of course.
0: From, um, from a Lions perspective, then, just because... I want to I want to at least offer just a little bit uh Quintus Cephas is a guy that I didn't really before the season I didn't expect to be like even remotely anywhere near competent but through the first two games he's actually been like pretty pretty good I'm not going to lie like there's one one-handed catch late in the first half that if he comes down with that is like a sit up and take notice moment and it's such it's a shame that he
2: had pretty good coverage on
0: it. yeah it was good coverage it's just it was so close to being able to pull that down he did have a touchdown on the day four receptions for 63 yards um he's he's starting to become Jared Goff's like number two option behind TJ Hawkinson so yeah. i'm wondering whether he or not this is just going game. to be like a travis fulgham situation where because they, they just don't the yeah um and then
2: we'll see. obviously they, they lost golladay and they lost marvin jones yeah uh, in the offseason and then they drafted amon ross st brown who both him and Equinemia st brown had to catch in this game yeah um so yeah Cephas kind of is well St. Brown's getting used to it. is is sort of the main guy, like guy on the outside. He's got a really interesting story. Actually, he was at Wisconsin. He got dismissed from the team for allegations of sexual assault, and then he went to court and he was sort of um, exonerated of like a false accusation type situation. Mm-hmm. So it's a really interesting story. I'd encourage anyone to to go and look into it because I know when, obviously being a Wisconsin fan myself, when I first heard about it, you sort of you leap to conclusions because you know you do want to have a zero tolerance to that sort of thing, but yeah yeah it was an interesting story where he's come from so i do root for the guy um and and we'll see like the lions are gonna be i think the lions have proven that they're probably gonna stick around in a couple of games and and be a bit more fun than we're expecting but ultimately it's probably going to be the the outcome that we were anticipating at the start of the year in terms of win-loss record yeah and for me the packers uh they didn't really prove anything to me in this game other than that they're not going to be like the worst team in the league so it's a good start
0: yeah it's almost like it's been a a, a season of two games for the packers which i i appreciate it it sounds for most teams. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like looking so poor against the saints and then coming out and being able to at least like take a little bit of something special and and kick the crap out of some real dirt and... it. Oh, I wouldn't
2: say they were, like, overly inspiring, but what I would also say is they had two rookie starters on the offensive line, so that's something that's probably going to improve over the course. Obviously, they've got Elwin Jenkins playing a left tackle too, so that's going to take something that's going to... It's going to take real game time, like, real game situations to bed in, so... Yeah. It's sort of similar with the Steelers. You're hoping that the OL glues more as the season goes on and then can build the run game and everything on that so i mean having a good run game to me like you get a better passing game your defense gets a rest Mm -hmm. that's like the fundamental to me so hopefully that improves we'll see they're not going to be 0-17 so i can take a nice breath like a nice deep (laughs) exhale, and uh yeah on to san francisco so yeah Well, Um... well take another deep inhale and we'll see how it goes
0: I, I mean, I feel like that's a great point to leave it on. Only thing is, I did just want to very quickly mention the only other bit the, of the clown at the
2: top of the division. Well,
0: one. I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna mention the uh, probably one of my only other favorite points of clown ball from the season thus far is Jared Goff managing to fumble it without actually having anyone in his face um, while he's trying to throw the ball. There was the there was the fumbled snap, which I, I appreciate that guys fumbled snaps every so often and whatnot but there was literally one throw where he cocks back to throw and just drops the ball it just slips out of his hands so
2: wasn't it no rishan gary was like walking the right tackle back into him wasn't well, it that one
0: yeah but like you can't go dropping the football is my only point
2: oh uh, come on it wasn't it wasn't james winston versus oregon bad but yeah no, that was like the first time he saw any remote pressure in the game, but we saw it happen. So, kind of, kind of what we know about Jared Goff: decent with a bit of time, crap under pressure. <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: very astute point. And uh, I think that that's pretty much all of us. Uh, all of us done. If you want to check out anything that any of us are saying on Twitter, uh, you can check out the at @StifflipPod account. You can also check out me and Max. Max is at DearFearer. And I am at t underscore chappers nineteen ninety seven. We do also have a Facebook page an Instagram page, whatever. Uh, none of that is important because we don't really post on there. Because who uses Facebook in this day and age? And like,
2: oh, please go on my Twitter and look at the uh, my favorite clip of the weekend, which was Chris Jones coming off. The oh, <laughs> I knew that there was a point care.
0: about that game, but I just
2: in, I thought I thought it was in slow motion the first time, <laughs> I did it. but it's well worth a watch.
0: Please watch it, um, and yeah. See you later, we appreciate it.
2: Bye everyone. Goodbye.